Section 8 of A Battle of the Books. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Angelique Campbell, January 2019. A Battle of the Books by Gail Hamilton. Renewal of Hostilities. Part 2 m n to b and h september eleven i received your letter of the eighth instance declining arbitration i suppose therefore the only resource left me is the arbitration of public opinion the argument which you declined to admit into the case was introduced there by mr hunt i recognize with you its disastrous effects and applaud your prudence in excluding it Regarding your offer to sell the books to another publisher, I may say that as the cream of their sale is already gone, I do not see the brilliant advantage to be derived from taking the skim milk to another publisher. I will, however, consult my board of attorneys. Pray, do not suppose I limit myself to one, and beg you, meanwhile, to accept my thanks for the benefit you design me will you have the goodness to send me my accounts for the last half-year i supposed this was the end of it but was surprised by a letter of september fourteenth saying we have your letter of the eleventh instance we think no occasion for arbitration in the matters at issue between us need ever have arisen and we think now that a formal arbitration as a means of settling the existing difficulties would not prove a suitable or satisfactory method either to you or to us we wish however to deal with you in a spirit of entire fairness and we therefore propose another method which will answer the same end in a much better way let us find a proper person whose relations to both parties are such as to fit him to act as a confidential friend and adviser in the case let us confide the entire case in all its bearings to his intercession and abide by his judgment we have in mind a gentleman who as we believe would be in every way suitable and satisfactory to both samuel rogers esq of this city we understand mr rogers to be a warm friend of yours and we know him to be a just man a sound judgment and capable of taking a comprehensive view of the whole matter if mr rogers will accept the friendly office we are quite ready to meet him in all fairness and candour to open our books and accounts to his inspection m n to b and h september sixteen permit me to acknowledge the reception of your letter of the fourteenth instance i cannot at present give your proposal i believe i said proposition but proposal must be the right word sufficient consideration to reply to it but i will do so as soon as possible meanwhile may i ask you to send me my accounts for the last six months i suppose they can be made up independently of the question at issue between us i most emphatically agree with you in the opinion that no occasion for arbitration need ever have arisen m n to mr dane september seventeen i thought i had pronounced my valedictory 
but coming home after a few days' absence, I find the following note from B and H. Then follows a copy of their last letter. Now, this is a move which I do not understand. Why should they have declined so decidedly my proposal, and, after they had received my note, why should they up and make another which, for aught I see, amounts to the same thing? I am inclined to accept the proposal, though I don't see why they should not have accepted mine. Would not Mr. Rogers be a good man? Isn't it vexing to have Monsieur Tansu come up again? Mr. Dane to M. N., September 21. God moves in a mysterious way, etc. B. and H.'s proposition does not much surprise me, though it is an entire change of base, not to say baseness. They now propose exactly what I wanted at first, a reference to some fair man. And had I made a list of a half-dozen for them to choose from, Mr. Rogers would probably have been one of them. He is quite deaf, but transacts business, and it is for him to say whether he is fit to hear the matter. Of course, you are at liberty to name another or others. I have great confidence that any man of such a character will do what he thinks is just. Now, let me say this is getting to be a serious matter, and though you may doubtless look on it as very plain, you may be much embarrassed before you are through. I do not see how you can decline their offer, which is precisely your own, if you took the formality out as I suggested. I doubt now whether B and H will not find some way to avoid a hearing. I think you had better accept their offer, but with limitations that shall hold them somewhere. In any reference of this sort, it will be understood that you may have counsel and witnesses, unless the idea is excluded by agreement. You see, I bear your burdens almost instinctively. In fact, I fear to trust you alone, you being, after all, but a poor little creature. Bless you. M. N. to Mr. Dane, September 23. Your letter did me heaps of good yesterday. Mr. Robertson promises to find out the ways of the Corinthian publishers and write or tell me. What I want to do, if I do anything, is to make out a written statement, as you suggest, but appear only by that and you. I don't want myself to go on the stage. I should injure the case more than I should help it. Everything that is not in writing you know as well as I, and I think it would be far better for me to stay at home, the sweet safe corner by the household fire, behind the heads of the children. La. In every other suggestion I agree with you. I could make my statement, send it to you for decision and presentation, notify them of my acceptance and readiness, and then let the union slide. Did I tell you I had a nice note from Longinus? He wants to talk with me about this, and he thinks authors ought to have an understanding that, generally with B and H, he has had such and such arrangements, but he marks that whatever arrangement you make, the publisher generally gets the lion's share. Now, do you think there is any hurry? If not, and as they have wandered at their own sweet will hitherto, I think I might take my turn now. Do you think it will be worth while for me to give up my visit? Considering the uncertainty of man, 
I should say not. Mr. Dane to M.N. September 24. There is no reason why you should hurry about your B&H matter. They have not been in great haste even to answer your letters. Wherefore, although I shall be glad to see you very soon, you may take your own time, and by thinking, perhaps, add a cubit to your mental stature. I am not quite sure you can be excused from being present. You can, however, fortify or fifty-fy yourself with Fritz or Fred. Now, write down your claims against B and H like a lawyer. About this time, the Athenian press seemed to have been seized with an unwanted interest in the book trade, and began to break out in sapient and significant little paragraphs like the following, which I copy from the Athenian Tribune of September 30, 1768. Book Publishing There is no class of business so liable to misconstruction and misunderstanding as that of a publisher of books. It is difficult for an author to understand the business aspects of publishing a book. In the first place, the expenses of composition, correcting, stereotyping, paper, printing, and binding are very large, compared sometimes to the size of the book. Then the advertising bills, and two or three hundred gratuitous copies for notice and review, must be added to the cost of publication. Then, of course, store rent, clerk hire, and packing expenses, including paper, twine, and boxes, should be reckoned as part of the cost of getting up an edition of a book, so that, in most instances, the sale of two or three thousand of a new work hardly pays the publisher for the labor and capital included in the outlay. Now, all this the author, unless he or she happen to understand the business thoroughly, rarely comprehends. The elder John Murray, one of the most honorable and generous of publishers, used to say that an author who thoroughly understood all the intricacies and expenses of issuing a book from the press and properly launching it into the hands of the public was as rare a prize to find as a phoenix or a unicorn. Yes, when I came to reflect upon the matter, the proposal of B&H did not seem so much like my own as it had at first appeared. Partly, perhaps, I feared the Greeks even bearing gifts. And if the two plans were in substance the same, why did they suggest one so soon after rejecting the other? If they were not the same, the difference would not be likely in my favor. The superficial thinker might suggest that the person to judge whether formal arbitration would be satisfactory to me was myself. As I had proposed it, the information from Azures B and H that it would not be satisfactory to me seemed to be premature, not to say supererogatory, but they not only set aside formal arbitration and brought up a confidential friendly plan, not with the suggestion that it might, but with the succinct assertion that it would answer the same end in a much better way, they also chose the confidential friend themselves, and this friend was a gentleman with whom I had no acquaintance, whom I had never so much as seen, and of whom my personal knowledge was confined to the interchange of some half-dozen letters. Now, a man may have a very high reputation, and be a very superior person, 
yet when you want a confidential friend you can hardly take him unless you had at least a passing acquaintance with him perhaps messrs b and h's endorsement of any one as a just man ought to be enough though under the circumstances it reminds one of the convicts in the main state prison who drew up resolutions against capital punishment but regarding the confidential friendly way of doing business i had become thoroughly disenchanted it was confidential friendliness that made the trouble and i was not homeopathically inclined i languished for a little distrustful business accuracy and cried save me from my friends or rather from Azure's b and h's friends what philosopher was it who maintained that life and death are the same why do you not kill yourself asked the skeptic because they are the same if it was of no importance to Messrs. b and h whether we had one man or two i would have two since it was of no importance if it was important to them that we should not have two then i would have two because it was important m n to b and h near the last of october i accept your proposal that the matter at issue between us should be submitted to mr samuel rogers for decision with this modification that mr james russell of stanton be associated with him if they have any difficulty in coming to an agreement let us empower them to select a third person i will present my statement at any time that suits yours and their convenience permit me however to suggest that it is just as much work for me to prepare my case for two or three persons as it is for two or three thousand and after all nobody can know it better than you you know precisely what i want simply ten per cent and you know also on what grounds i base my claims would it not be less troublesome to you as well as infinitely less disagreeable to me for you to decide the matter yourselves at once rather than refer it to others who after the most careful study can only learn what we already know we shall also thereby avoid a publicity which is utterly disagreeable to me which can hardly be attractive to you and which beginning with two will end no one knows where hunt perry and company formerly b and h to m n november nine the preoccupation incident to the recent change in our firm of which we sent you a notice has prevented our giving your proposal due consideration earlier than now we proposed mr samuel rogers name with the thought that he was a man who would be in every way satisfactory to both parties and who would act rather in the capacity of a friendly mediator than of a formal arbitrator our objection to the addition of mr james russell is that by adding him we return to the idea of settling differences by a formal arbitrator which we always objected to we should prefer to submit the entire matter to mr rogers alone as we proposed still we are desirous of having the matter settled justly and equitably and if you prefer to have more than one person we are willing that mr russell of whom we know nothing except by reputation should be added provided a third person shall be joined with the two who shall be a practical publisher and a bookseller 
we would name a gentleman who would be perfectly capable of appreciating all the points connected with the case and to whom in conjunction with the two already named we are willing to submit it mr henry murray formerly a partner in the publishing firm of constable and sons and now the head of the firm of murray and blakeman mr murray is a highly honourable man and from his many years of experience fully qualified to understand the case if you are willing to submit the case to these three gentlemen for decision we shall await your and their pleasure as to time m n to h p and company november seventeen your letter of november nine has been forwarded to me from athens your notice of the change in the firm was probably sent to Zor and has not reached me i did not know of the change when my letter was written in proposing mr russell i did not design to return to formal arbitration i was and am quite willing to settle it by confidential friendliness only i do not wish the friendliness to be all on one side mr rogers is your friend but i never saw him cannot judge of his fitness to act in such a matter and therefore could not put implicit faith in his conclusions i wish to associate with him a man whom i do know and on whose conclusions i could rely you say you know nothing of mr russell except by reputation neither do i know anything of mr rogers except by reputation you desire to join with them mr murray of the firm of murray and blakeman a gentleman whom you know so well that you vouch for his character and capacity but whom i never saw whom i scarcely know even by reputation but of whom i do know this soon after the publication of the rights of men the firm of which he is the head issued an advertisement of one of their publications by rev bishop burnet in which by detaching sentences from the rights of men they made me speak in the highest praise of bishop burnet's book whereas in truth i had spoken with the greatest censure you say that mr murray is a highly honourable man but i say that this was a highly dishonourable proceeding observe now the position you take you are not even willing to trust my friend joined with your friend but you want me to trust to your friend alone secondly you are not willing to refer to the arbitrator a lawyer whom you have selected and the arbitrator a lawyer whom i have selected and the third person whom they two shall select but you wish yourself to select the third person and the person you select is a man of your own trade a man of your intimate acquaintance a man whom i never saw and of whom personally i only know that he has been guilty of trickery toward me if it is to be settled by confidential friendship you wish to choose the confidential friend if by formal arbitration you wish to choose two out of three of the arbitrators you consider mr rogers quite capable of settling the matter alone but incapable of settling it in connection with a friend of mine unless another friend of yours be joined with him i am quite willing to meet you on the confidential friendly platform or on the formal arbitration platform but if the former which i also prefer i wish to have a share in the confidential friendship if the second i wish the arbitrators to be selected in the regular way each party choosing one and those two selected choosing a third 
you can ascertain from mr rogers whether he has any objection to confidential consultation with mr russell so far as a practical publisher or bookseller is concerned you can state the case yourselves to these gentlemen or you can bring mr murray or any other person you choose before them you must assume that they are sufficiently fair-minded to judge according to facts else there is no use in having any judgment at all and mr murray can present the facts as witness quite as well as if he were arbitrator h p and company to m n november twenty the desire which you impute to us of having a one-sided settlement or of referring the matter at issue between us to any confidential friend of your own has never entered our thoughts we named mr rogers in the first instance because we thought he was a warm personal friend of your own and one in whom you could put unhesitating confidence we never had a word with him on the subject in any way as for mr murray we certainly have no desire to press him or any other person not agreeable to you we very decidedly prefer that one person shall take cognizance of the matter rather than two or three and to show that we do not desire that the person chosen shall be a partisan of our own we suggest that the matter be fully submitted to the friendly offices of mr henry brooke of corinth we do not know mr brooke personally and have never had any relations with him except a correspondence which he initiated several days ago if he is willing to act in the matter you will accept any decision he makes m n to h p and company november twenty three your letter of november twenty reached me saturday night so far as it disclaims any undue partisanship in selecting mr rogers it is germane to the case i take the earliest opportunity to thank you for the disinterested kindness to me which governed your choice i was not before aware of it or i should have been earlier in my acknowledgment the remainder of your letter you will pardon me for saying is entirely irrelevant the question of one or two is no longer open we have already agreed upon two and the question now is concerning a third the point to be decided is simply this will you or will you not refer the matter to the friendly mediation or the formal arbitration of messrs rogers and russell and a third person to be selected by them in case a third person shall be necessary h p and company to m n november twenty eighth your statement that the question of one or two persons is no longer open and that two have already been agreed upon and the question now is concerning a third is not correct we have not agreed to refer the matter to messrs rogers and russell except with our proposed addition of mr murray which addition you did not approve by your non-approval of him the matter was thrown back to the original proposal to refer it to one person and in that posture of affairs we must consider that our proposal of mr brooke as that person was strictly relevant but in all this correspondence we seem to be playing at cross-purposes neither arriving at a result nor succeeding in understanding each other you are no doubt as tired of this as we are a reference should we ever reach it on mutually satisfactory terms would take a long time and be a tedious mode of settlement 
would it not be better to close the matter at issue finally by a definite proposal which cannot be misunderstood we estimate the time that would be occupied by a reference and the trouble and annoyance it would occasion at five hundred dollars and we propose to send you our check for that sum that this unprofitable controversy may be closed and we further propose to pay you hereafter ten per cent of the retail price in cloth for all copies sold of your various books now published by us should you accept this offer please advise us and we will send you check and draw new contracts at once i think notwithstanding the modest disclaimer of messrs hunt perry and company we were getting to understand each other perfectly except that so far from becoming tired of the controversy i was only just warming up to it m n to h p and company december eighth when i pointed out to you the impropriety of your imposing mr murray upon me as arbitrator you replied that you did not wish to press mr murray you now say that mr murray was essential to the arbitration either he was or he was not if he was then as i said in a previous letter you refused arbitration unless you could choose two out of three of the arbitrators and those two friends of your own and strangers to me and one of them guilty of trickery towards me if mr murray was not essential then as i said in my last letter you had already agreed upon two and the only question is concerning a third do i understand you to decide that you refuse arbitration unless you have power to make mr murray third arbitrator the reference which seems to you so tedious seems to me a relief from tedium your definite proposal proposes to buy me off from arbitration but does not touch my claim to ten per cent on past sales i do not even consider it much less accept it the cost of arbitration would i suppose be defrayed as usual by the losing party and amounts to hardly if any more than one-sixth part of the sum which i believe to be due to me m n to h p and company december twenty one a week ago last tuesday i sent you a letter from paris to which i have received no answer to guard against any misunderstanding arising from a lost letter will you be so good as to inform me by the bearer whether you have received such a letter from me and if so whether you have replied to it they evidently thought the enemy was preparing to move immediately upon their works and they replied at once we duly received your communication alluded to in your note of this morning owing to the absence of one of the members of our firm and the great pressure of business incident to the season of the year we have not had an opportunity since its receipt to give the question at issue the attention it deserves in a few days you shall hear from us on the sixteenth of december appeared another of those paragraphs in the athenian gazette to which i have previously referred 
hitherto the dove had only gyrated against the whole heavens spreading its white wings to praise over publishers in general but now loving like death a shining mark it circled down and settled squarely upon the modest brows of messrs bromelin hunt in the following style messrs b and h's announcements the attractive advertisement of messrs b and h which appears in our column to-day is interesting to those who watch the progress of events as an indication not only of the success which this publishing-house has received but as an evidence of the literary presumacy of the hub years ago when sophocles after enjoying the entree into the leading social circles of the city styled athens the modern eden our neighbors of the other cities quoted the remark in derision but time has proved that the title was not merely complimentary a glance at the list of authors whose works are published by messrs b and h will at once surprise those unacquainted with the large number of the adriatic coterie who have residence within the shadows of the acropolis the athenian authors who have had their established headquarters with this publishing-house are more widely known and more thoroughly read than any equal number who have acquired literary distinction while the number of roman authors who are requested in this county by messrs b and h include the poet laureate of italy and the great master of fiction josephus while we may congratulate the firm upon the success they have achieved in producing the most exquisite illustrated gift books of the season and compliment them upon the typographical execution of all their publications we think still higher praise is due to the house for their encouragement of athenian talent and their rare tact in introducing many who have become popular mainly by the discriminating manner in which they have been ushered into the presence of the reading public whatever share of prosperity this publishing-house has reached there are none to attribute it to any narrow or selfish policy they have dealt with authors of all lands upon the broad ground of mutual benefit and have never sought to make bread out of other people's brain-work and leave the worker without fair compensation it is a credit to athens that such an establishment has grown up and flourished in our city which reminds me of a rural schoolmaster who taught the village school for several winters in succession and whose specialty was writing years after if the handwriting of any of his pupils was spoken of the honest man would reply innocently yes he is a very fine writer very superior his writing is precisely like mine Messrs. Bromel and Hunt's authors are the most widely known and the most thoroughly read in the country. And we, who belong to that happy family, feel that the lines have fallen to us in pleasant places, and try to look unconscious of our preeminence, while we cannot wholly repress a glow of gratification. But what is this? We, or rather you, for just here i find it agreeable to follow the admonition of mr gumpy's mother and get out of the company you have become popular mainly by the discriminating manner in which you have been ushered into the presence of the reading public oh what a fall is here my countryman imagine the emotions of the belle on being told that the attention and admiration which she fondly supposed had been excited by her wit and beauty 
were mainly owing to the discriminating manner in which she had been ushered into the ballroom some little margin is left for grace of form loveliness of feature elegance of dress but mainly it is the white-gloved usher to whom her success is due there are never wanting persons who not content with writing history as it is are always conjuring up what would have been if things had happened differently if charles i had not lost his head if napoleon had beaten at waterloo if booth's pistol had missed fire events would have gone thus and thus our fruitful field opens before such speculators in the history of our country's literature had mrs brummel and hunt gone into the grocery business for instance homer would have been cobbling shoes in haverhill or at most chronicling small beer in a country newspaper dante would have been a lawyer in chambers drawing up wills and prodding through deeds but leaving no footprints on the sands of time boccaccio would have been milking cows at brook farm or growing round-shouldered over his desk in the jerusalem courthouse miriam would have been writing children's stories for the little cormorant at fifty cents a column and as uncle tom's cabin would never have been built the south would never have been provoked into rebellion we should have had no war and no greenbacks prices would never have risen ten per cent and fifteen cents would have been the same and we should all have died comfortably in our beds but it is a theme for lasting gratitude not only that this house did not go into the cotton trade and sugar line but also that whatever share of prosperity it has reached there are none to attribute it to any narrow or selfish policy it has never sought to make bread out of other people's brainwork and leave the worker without fair compensation but upon what meat hath our athens gazette fed that it is able to make so sweeping a negative asks the unsanctified heart by what authority saith these things and who giveth this authority has it had personal interviews with all the persons who ever had or sought business connection with Messrs. brummel and hunt and learned from them that no narrow or selfish policy has ever been attributed to them even this would not establish its assertion but surely nothing less than this would it does not say that no narrow or selfish policy was ever indulged in but that nobody so much as attributed to them caesar's wife is above suspicion but has any one asked caesar it is not of course to be for a moment supposed that so great a house as the one in question would ever stoop to manufacture its own puffs if i may be pardoned at the term such a course might benefit the parvenu harkers and peddlers of books but not an hereditary aristocracy like this its poet publisher has indeed distinguished himself by other figures than those of the day-book and ledger but i have never heard that any member of the firm has been ambitious of a place among the prose writers of greece nor is it i suspect any the more to be presumed because these paragraphs came to me conspicuously marked with the blue and red lines and superscribed in the handwriting with which many years of correspondence with the firm of b and h had made me familiar 
for do we not all as soon as we see ourselves complimented in the newspaper send it around to all our friends by the early mail but i am reminded of a story which i learned and recited many times in school while the regicides goff whaley and maxwell were hiding in connecticut a rough fellow came from afar and terrified the simple villagers by challenging them to mortal combat as they stood pale with consternation a venerable man unknown to all appeared gravely accepted the challenge and immediately disappeared at the appointed time throngs were gathered to witness the conflict as the clock struck the hour the mysterious combatant threaded the crowd and took his place in the arena armed only with a broom and armored with a huge cheese fastened upon his person as a breastplate the astonished bully began the fight by plunging his sword into the breast or rather the cheese of his opponent the latter responded by dipping his broom into the neighboring mud puddle and giving the bully a gentle swash about the neck a second lunge into the cheese and the broom went higher sweeping the fighter's chin a third and with a fresh baptism of mud the broom was drawn tenderly over the whole face of the baffled ruffian who unused to such warfare threw down his sword in terror crying who are you you must be either jeff whaley or the devil moral so i viewing this paragraph and sundry others that follow it and seeing how finely they are timed to the issues of the contest cannot avoid the mental soliloquy brummel and hunt or planchette j s perry of the firm of h p and company to m n january one seventeen sixty nine the experience of the past few months suggests that it is likely to take some time to settle the details of the proposed arbitration by correspondence a personal interview of half an hour would obviate much writing and delay will you see me at zoar at such time next week after tuesday as may be convenient to yourself m n to mr perry if you really think it worth while by all means come only the preliminaries seem to me so simple that they might almost be left to whistle themselves i will see you if you please at two o'clock p m wednesday the sixth day after to-morrow a train leaves the athens railroad station i think at twelve fifteen you must leave the train at zoar probably there will be a carriage at the station if you prefer it to walking but whichever way you come you will wish you had taken the other m n to mr dane january four seventeen sixty nine saturday i had a letter from mr perry proposing to come down and arrange with me the preliminaries for or of arbitration i would much rather he should go to you and do it still i fear if i suggest that it will only occasion further delay and if i can get any hold on them perhaps i had better get it but i don't know what the preliminaries ought to be maybe it is nothing in particular only arrangements as to time and so forth still if there is anything i should stipulate for or any boundary lines i ought to draw or any precautions i ought to take can you not advise me by letter if there is any doubt on my part i shall make no engagements but say to him frankly 
I wish to consult you first, and then I shall come to Athens bright and early, Thursday, and consult you, Nolens Bolins. Mr. Dane to M.N., January 5, 1769. A happy new year to you. My opinion is that Mr. Perry will try to settle matters with you and have no reference or intervention. If he proposes to arrange a reference, you know what you want and can write it, perhaps, though my honest opinion is you need help. You may call it snubbing or sneering or flattery, but my opinion is you are not fit to meet these people in such a matter. Hunt fooled you just as he pleased when he went over, and you wrote me quite a penitent letter, which showed a good heart, but a feeble mind. If you arrange for any reference, they should agree to pay you any amount that may be adjudged to be equitably due to you for arrearages of copyright. You are, and etc. But, as I have told you, there is not a lawyer in Athens who would undertake personally to manage a controversy of this kind, being himself of the party, and you are not exempt from the laws of gravitation. End of section 8